Predictions are dangerous. We absolutely need more inventory. The Fed doesn't actually have a lot of tools to regulate inflation. That cash has dried up. Wow, is my first thought, Bruce. If both parties don't win, it doesn't happen. The Real Look. Trending News. G'day. Today's Wednesday, February 8th. I'm Bruce Hardy. And I'm Chase Williams. And this is the news you need to know. Well, Chase, despite mortgage rates briefly falling below the 6% threshold, both housing inventory and mortgage demand fell last week. In fact, we took a step backward with a 10% decline in purchase apps from the prior week. And that's after positive growth of 25% and 3% over the prior two weeks, respectively. We're into back-to-back weeks of noticeable decline also in the Altos weekly inventory data. This week's inventory fell 8,664 units from the previous week. Now, to give you some perspective here, that's a weekly change from 465,654 down to 456,990. That's this year. If we looked at what happened last year, our inventory was at a ridiculously low 271,954, and in the same week, it dropped to 255,662. So what are your thoughts around this? That was a lot of numbers, but basically we have almost double the inventory that we had the same week last year, pretty close to double. And it's still low. (laughs) So you mentioned how ridiculously low it truly was. Even doubling it still puts us in low territory. And we see blips on the radar, if you will. It's like a little ticker, right? It changes week to week, and it can be a little deceiving versus like a longer trend line. Regardless of the fact that demand fell slightly from week to week, there's still plenty of demand out there to accommodate the amount of inventory that's available, right? And that's why it's staying low, even though it's doubled from last January. That puts a particular amount of pressure around what we're seeing with prices and affordability, which is one of the big conversations that we continue to have here because it's one that matters maybe more than a lot of the others. But until that level of inventory really gets to a point of an abundant amount of inventory, which we're a long ways from, then we really can't see a correction in the pricing that a lot of would-be homeowners would love to see. That's a great point. Like you said, right, even though demand for mortgage applications is down, it's still not down significantly enough to meet the inventory that we currently have. However, the challenge is, is that these inventory levels are so low that a lot of realtors out there are feeling the pain, right? There's not as many new listings. There's not as many homes to sell. So even though the market is sort of wonky, actually, you know, you've got different parts of the market where houses are now starting to sit longer and longer before they're selling. And yet you've got pieces of the market where we're seeing multiple offers still in this marketplace. So it's a pretty fascinating time. The longer that we stay at these rates, you know, kind of in the 6% range, if you will, it starts to be a little bit more palatable to the consumer. It's seasoned, right? We're kind of like, oh, this is where we're at now versus the big bounce that we fell from like, you know, sub 3% rates. Like it takes us a little while as a consumer to lick our wounds and realize the new reality that we're in. But once we're in it for a while, we realize, oh, okay, I really still can buy a house with the 6% rate. 
because I still have this legitimate need in my life to buy a house, right? So I think we're going to start to see that socialization of that rate kind of start to take hold and people be more and more comfortable at that point. Well, and interestingly enough, last week, we did see mortgage rates break through that 6% benchmark, got down to 5.99%. But later that day, it actually jumped up to 6.19. And that, of course, came out after the jobs report. One of the things we need to be continually monitoring, right, and that is the 10-year treasury yield. Mortgage rates are tied to that yield. And if the economy stays firm, right, the 10-year yield range will probably end up somewhere between about 3.2 and about 4.5%. And what that means is that we'll have mortgage rates between five and three quarters and probably 7.5%. Now, with economic weakness, bond yields could quickly drop into the 2.7% range, and that would take mortgage rates down to nearly 5%. Again, the Fed is trying to slow our economy down, and yet, even with the increase of the Federal Reserve rate, we're seeing the economy is still being really robust. That's a challenge for everybody. Almost all of the economic news that we continue to see, Bruce, is firm. It's good. It's positive, if you will. Like you said, that puts a strain on the goal of getting a handle on inflation, right? The economy is still roaring in so many ways. You know, it's unlikely that those rates are going to be falling dramatically anytime soon. Last week's announcement of the labor data, right, over 11 million job openings. In fact, jobless claims were under 200,000, and that put us at an unemployment rate of 3.4%. By the way, that's the lowest unemployment rate we've had since 1969. And like you said, I mean, parts of the economy are still really robust. And you and I have reported on this podcast, right, the number of layoffs that have been taking place within the real estate industry. You see the headlines all the time in the tech industry. People are being laid off. But guess what? There's still jobs open and available for those people. So they're not being laid off for long periods of time. Yeah, they're moving jobs, maybe forced to move jobs, but there still happens to be plenty out there for them to land on, right? If you look at non-farm payroll, the four biggest areas where jobs were created, number one is leisure and hospitality. And that should be no surprise, right? As we see our economy is robust, people are still traveling. Chase, you and I, we get to fly for business most of the time, but there are travelers everywhere. That part of the economy is really doing well right now. But what was fascinating was private education and health services was the second area of greatest job growth, followed by professional and business services. And then the fourth one, rounding it out, was government. And by the way, the government number jumped because what we saw last month was a bunch of state employees who were out on strike, and they've all gone back to work. So again, really strong, really, really strong data. But we need to figure out how to solve the affordability issue. Well, on a similar note, Chase, Dell Technologies announced that they'll eliminate about 6,650 jobs, or roughly 5% of their global workforce. In a memo to employees obtained by Bloomberg, co-chief operating officer Jeff Clark said the company is grappling with market conditions that continue to erode with an uncertain future. And not only that, but the U.S. dollar actually edged higher for a third consecutive day after surging 1% following Friday's job report. All of these things kick in, Chase. I mean, a high U.S. dollar, right, creates a challenge for companies and businesses that actually export product because now their products are more expensive in the rest of the world. So, again, we've got, we've got these conflicting signs. What's going to happen here? 
The government announced their monthly jobs report showed payrolls rose by 517,000 last month. This really has impacted investors as well in the regular stock market, because what they're concerned now is that the Federal Reserve may not pause raising interest rates. And by the way, that was an expectation that's sort of been fueling the stock market this year is that, hey, the Fed's got under control. We've had several months of dropping inflation. Now they can slow down. And we saw last month they actually only did a 0.25% increase or a 25 basis point increase. This sort of data that's coming out with these jobs and the labor market could mean that the Fed is going to be a little more aggressive or have to continue to raise interest rates for a much longer period. You talk about this idea of uncertainty in the future, right? What Chief Operating Officer Jeff Clark said. This does create a little bit of economic whiplash, I would say. And that's the uncertainty, right? Because it's like, oh, they're going to pause. Oh, wait, no, they're not. Oh, the jobs report is really strong. Oh, wait, right? Like, it it feels a little bit like a yo-yo back and forth. And of course, we've shared on this podcast before, it's because the federal government doesn't have a lot of levers to get a hold of inflation. In other words, it's not an exact science. It's certainly not surgical. They don't know exactly what they need to do and exactly when they need to do it, even if sometimes they like us to think they do. And so that can create uncertainty. It doesn't mean it's going to be bad, but we just don't know exactly what they're going to do in the future because they don't know yet either. That's the problem. In other news, the Biden administration is rolling out renter protections as rent prices continue to soar. So as housing prices remain high across the nation, the Biden administration is taking action. The administration announced new actions earlier this week to protect access to housing and make rentals more affordable. According to the White House, roughly 35% of the U.S. population, or over 44 million households, live in rental housing. But there are no comprehensive federal laws to protect renters. While not binding, the blueprint for a renter's Bill of Rights offers guidelines for keeping renters in affordable housing, along with access to safe, quality, accessible and affordable housing and clear and fair leases. What are your thoughts around the federal government looking to get involved in the rent game? Frankly, Bruce, what is the federal government not looking to get involved in? (laughs) I think that's what they see as like their role, right? Solving problems. I don't know. Honestly, I've never seen government very efficient or good at much of anything it does. There's just a lot of posturing politically on both sides, trying to tackle issues that might actually get votes, but don't actually solve the issues. Maybe that's just my opinion. I would say that a better way of maybe solving some of the affordability issues with rents is more available rental units, right? And there are some things that the government can do in order to incentivize those that would maybe go out and build more units, for example. This is probably largely driven, Bruce, by the legitimate increases in rents that we've seen over the last number of years, right? Just like we saw some pretty heavy appreciation of home values, we also sell that driving rental rates up in a lot of markets, not a lot available for rent, rents go up, et cetera, right? So it's really similar to the affordability issue on the ownership side. It's becoming somewhat of an affordability issue on the rental side. And again, a lot of this is driven by a shortage in housing, period. Supply and demand says that if there's 
more demand than supply, prices are going up. So you can try to cap that if you want. We'll see if it works or not. Or you can create additional supply. And so some might argue that that's a better method for actually impacting the rent. I thought this was interesting, Chase, and that is that nearly one third of all rental units nationwide are financed with federally backed mortgages. And the blueprint may help curb some of the steep rent price increases for these properties. In fact, the Federal Housing Finance Agency, along with Fannie Mae and Freddie Mac, stated in the blueprint that the agencies will consider the establishment of tenant protections to limit egregious rent increases for properties purchased with certain types of federal mortgages. In addition, the Federal Trade Commission stated that it will use its authority to take action against acts and practices that unfairly prevent consumers from obtaining and retaining housing, including high application fees, deposits, and background check screening algorithms that do not conform to the Fair Housing Act. So it's going to be interesting, Chase. I think that there are problems to solve. You know, we know evictions are a big issue in this country, and affordability is the cause of that. What we don't need is another million people put out on the streets because they can't afford rental property. So I'm not saying I have the answer. Trust me, I do not. But this is a problem that we as a nation have to figure out. And as you said, I think that there are other ways of doing it, right? Could we have spent, for example, the $45 billion that the administration had earmarked for rental assistance? What if they went and built housing with that $45 billion? Yep. You impact the supply, right? Which therefore creates additional options for those that maybe were priced out of another rental unit, for example. But it also keeps owners of these properties in check. Because again, supply and demand, you still need to be competitive to some degree. So if there are more affordable units available in your marketplace, then you can't just charge an egregious amount because people will find other options. So I think you're right, Bruce. Like These are legitimate challenges. Don't get me wrong. But there's always going to be differences of opinion on how exactly you might impact them. And it's not that someone's right and someone's wrong. There might legitimately be multiple methods for trying to get a handle on some of this stuff, right? That's the news you need to know. Don't miss this Friday's Northern Lights episode, where we'll interview Yossi Jazieri with Keller Williams Realty Bellevue in Bellevue, Washington. Thanks again for tuning in with us on The Real Look. This podcast is produced by Marissa Frost. Visit kwnwr.com to access the show notes from today's episode. Head over to Spotify, Apple, or wherever you get your podcasts to subscribe to The Real Look. And don't forget to leave us a review. Thanks again for listening. We'll be back next week with a breakdown of all things real estate.
Thanks again for tuning in with us on The Real Look.